0: Who is buster rhymes sidekick revolutionaries was good today's episode is brought to you by the rogue media group which is a veteran-led integrative marketing agency with affiliated networks that reach nearly 1 million multicultural professionals business owners and public policy makers RMG, as it's affectionately known, was founded in 2013 by my dude, Maximilian Hamilton, and has grown from a single offering to a multifaceted media company that offers everything from media planning and buying to written content development, sponsorship consulting, and conference development as well as digital marketing, custom video, DEI strategy, personal branding, and speaker sourcing. RMG's signature program, one that I was able to MC last year, is the fifth annual Fuel, the Ultimate Men's Summit. It will take place this year in November, the 9th through the 12th, 2023, in Houston, Texas. The annual summit is a gathering of 500-plus CEOs, professionals, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. Participants will explore and discuss advancing the mobility of Black professionals, entrepreneurs, and business leaders. The summit will include a golf outing, panel discussions, keynotes, breakout sessions, and awards recognition. And guess this... A celebration of hip-hop's 50th anniversary. To learn more about RMG and Fuel, the Ultimate Men's Summit, visit www.roguemg.com. And now, let's get ready for the show. Brother Davis, CEO of the
1: Paragon Group. What's your revolution? My revolution is closing the wealth gap. And I like to take on impossible problems. I like to attack impossible problems. There's always something for me to get up and do because you could give me a trillion dollars today and I could get it deployed to the best minority and female founders out there. And there still would be someone who is extraordinarily qualified and capable and would not get funded. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good about
0: Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. Where people can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corbro. What's good, revolutionaries? I'm always asking you that question. And I'm always gonna tell you that I hope that you are doing well and that you are finding your way and that you're finding your community. It's been an interesting conversation over the summer about what community looks like. And (laughs) I've been telling my folks like, I'm winning summer, (laughs) like I'm winning, I am am winning summer. It has been a wonderful time to imbibe the sun, imbibe my people, right? Just hanging out, listening, talking, laughing, and loving with my folks. And I hope that you are doing the same, that you are finding your way with your people that you're going out and that your midwives are taking you in new directions, right? You're asking them hard questions and they are giving you great answers that will allow you to fulfill your revolution. Because as we say here, you cannot be the most revolutionary version of yourself if you have not revolted and evolved into something better, something different, something more revolutionary. Revolutionary. And it's interesting if I go back to this commentary about community. I am so happy about the relationships that I have been able to build. I go across this country and I get to meet great people, right? I, I get to greet, make great friends, right? As we say, my dude, right? You say this all the time, my dude. Yes, my dude, my friend. And I met this person, right? I'm not even going. I'm not going to spill it. Right? I met this person out in Oklahoma uh and when you hear this like guttural deep voice right and this infectious personality and unfortunately as we started talking we started talking about all the things that we had in common and he was like yeah i'm 1911 i was like oh word and he was like yeah i'm january and i was like <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, but we had a good time uh as you know i have been enjoying investing my time uh my resources, my finances into entrepreneurs. And that means a lot to be in this world of venture capital. And so I got to meet Armand Davis out with the good folks at Act House, Malachi and Dom. And we just struck up a conversation. I was like, yo, brother, I've got to have you on my show. Because once you hear this story about how this brother came from this to that, to make waves in the world, you're going to be like, "Mm, maybe I need to think about what my revolution is so brother davis what's going on how are you
1: what's going on brother i'm i'm honored to be here i need to find enough capital to be able to put you on retainer to introduce me (laughs) everywhere (laughs) everywhere i go that's a great introduction Uh,
0: oh oh i would love that right i i I would love that i could be your hype man (laughs) i could be be your hype man yeah um at the recording of the show actually uh, actually i am teaching a a class tonight to some entrepreneurs uh shout out to the folks at the digital undivided jordan weaver and her team and i'm creating slides and i was like who is buster rhymes sidekick
1: right <laughs> oh, Star. You know <laughs> <Spliff> star. Star, <laughs> right yeah. i
0: didn't know that right oh no dude, you got to <laughs> know did it not know no I you got to
1: you know. got to know spliff you got to know spliff yeah right?
0: Split star. I did not know. Shout out to that brother. Shout out to Buster Rhymes. And I know, look, look, during the pandemic, I don't know if what, what he was going through, but you know, he said a couple of things I might not agree with, but Buster is an icon. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Buster is an icon. Shout out to Pl- Split star, you know, so I, I'm happy to be your Spliff star as you out here in the world. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's out interesting.
1: In you mentioned Jordan. As I'm trying to think Is that. Jordan with a D-Y. Is it Y in the D-Y I think so. Okay. I think so. Okay, so then that is who I just I just spoke with on Sunday with her cohort. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. She's doing yeah. big things, big things. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Jordan. Uh yes, I spoke with the cohort, black and brown female founders. Yes. Doing yes. things. And yeah. just a tremendously yeah. talented and deep uh group and really enjoy speaking with them. Uh wish them all the best. But definitely shout out to Jordan. Putting all
0: that together, yeah, they they are doing amazing things. And shout out to her! I know she. Shout out to her, and shout out to the folks at Black Ambition, Uh, Felicia Hatch and her team. Pharrell, shout out to Pharrell, local seven five seven dude, man. Shout out to you and all the work that you're doing with Black Ambition, the Yellow School here in Norfolk, and all that, all that great work. Uh, Jordan is actually a semifinalist for Black Ambition, the Black Ambition Prize, with her own venture. So, yeah, they're nice. just do, they're just doing um, amazing things. Um, you said that you're happy to be here, but you know, I, I want to dig down a little deeper, right? How are you? Like, w- what's up with you? Like, I, w- I want to know. That's our that's our that's our first question. Like, how are you? Because too often as men, we don't get asked that question. Like, how are you?
1: Like, yeah. how you feeling? How what's you what's feeling? going on? in you? Well, yeah, right. And the reflexive response is always, oh, man, I'm good, man, I'm just, yes. you know, I'm just heads down, just grinding, you know, working hard. Yeah, that's that's always the response. But the truth is, right, it's a struggle right now to be mm-hmm. to be a black entrepreneur, to be a black male entrepreneur, mm-hmm. to be a black male uh, that invest in underrepresented founders, a black man that invests in underrepresented founders. And so it's a challenging time and it's something that I think that we do need to get in the rooms with each other and and, and talk with each other more about and look at each other, right? Because, you know, you mm-hmm. have to forget, you remember the old folks used to say to you, they used to, say, they used to call you up and say, well, why don't you come by the house? And you say, oh, well, we're just talking now. And they say, no, I need to look at you, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I need yeah, to, I need to you. see your face, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I need to see you.
1: This is a I need good lay, time. I need to lay hands on you. Listen, listen, that's <laughs> it. And so, you know, for the brothers out there that's listening, you have your your boy that started a business and he's trying to build a business uh, or he's trying to build something. Go look at your boy, go just text him. Go look at your boy. Yeah,
0: yeah, brother. I, I, and I love that you are illuminating this fact of, um what it means for entrepreneurs who are creating revolutions in the world. And I'm, and I'm going to couch that into this, this theme of what we do here at our show. To create a venture, one, right, is to think about what are the pain points that are happening in certain people's lives and creating something that is going to revolutionize how they actually have the ability to live, Right. I mean, I think about this very, very simple thing, very, very simple thing of, of, and I think we talked about this before, the simple thing of getting, coalescing my calendars together where I can simply from my phone, from my computer, send out a link to someone and have them schedule with me. Instead of having to try to go back and forth with email, right? And just understand that Calendly was founded by a black man, just just so we understand that, right? It is a billion dollar company that solves a simple, simple pain point that I used to have to go back and forth with round and round of emails to try to schedule with someone. Now on my phone, my accountant today, Lisa Collins said to me, hey, we haven't checked in. When can I check in with you? I was, I was laying in the bed, I got on Calendly, plopped the link, in the paste, boom, gone, done. Ten minutes later, I had our meeting scheduled. Yeah. That's what happens, right? It revolutionizes how we have the ability to go on about our day to make our lives easier. It's not, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. I want you to talk about that, right, for one second, because we're going to get to this point of investing in these companies. But I want you to talk to the folks, the revolutionaries out there that who, who are building ventures. What are some of the things that you would tell them now in these tough times to keep pushing, to keep moving, to keep persevering?
1: Oh, man. Well, first, what I want to say is I see – I see Mm. you to those, to those people. It is something that requires an extraordinary amount of courage and bravery Mm. to take something that is in your head and to pull it with all your might out of your brain and turn it into something tangible with the knowledge that there's a ninety nine percent chance that the world will look at what you have done and say, yeah I don't care about that <laughs> right that's that's the truth right that ninety nine percent of businesses uh, are, are fail and are not in, in not well received especially when you talk about from the perspective of receiving venture capital, right? Yeah. And so the courage that it takes to have that calling placed upon you, right. And to go through the pain of birthing that, Mm. that mental, emotional baby into something that's real and tangible. I see you. And I encourage all of, all of you, don't stop. I know it's really hard right now, but remember your why. Cling to your why. Remember your why is more powerful than your what. Mm. Your why Mm. is more powerful than your what. Drop down,
0: drop down on that for a second, because, you know, both you and I spend, spend copious amount of times vetting founders and both you and I know sometimes the product the product can be a little messy. Oh well, yeah. The product can be a little messy. But speak to founders who really understand who who who's cling as you said cling to their why and why it's those founders that actually move can move the needle with their ventures. Why is that so important?
1: Well, it's important because when you are clinging to the why your why becomes your guiding light, right? So, I talk about founders that are results-driven versus results-oriented. Mm. Okay, what I mean by that is your, your your results-driven means that your choices are determined by the outcome you're trying to achieve. And many times you may receive a favorable outcome with a flawed process. Mm. But if you are results driven, you tend to overlook the flaws in your process because you're getting the results that you want. Now, those results will only be temporary as long as you continue to have a flawed Mm. process. And what actually happens, is through continued success with your flawed process is that when that crack does happen, when that failure does come, when that flaw in the process does actually rear its head, it's on a bigger stage. Yeah, It's on a higher mountain. And so the fall is much greater. And so when I say I prefer a result oriented founder over a results driven founder, What I mean by that is the results oriented founder is focused more so on developing the process and the process is the why I want you to be in it for the, for the process, for the why the success is in completing the process because the outcome is most of the time beyond our control. So I want you to work, on developing as close to possible and that's along the lines of kind of i'm I'm not the first person to say something like this this is along the lines of what you get when you have a six sigma type of process where they realize Mm -hmm. you can't get to perfection but you want to try to minimize the flaws that you have in your process so right in that sense during this difficult time especially focus on developing your process as a founder your process for your business, your sales process, your customer retention process, your financial management processes, right? Focus on developing your processes because you will see the reward down the line if you have efficient and effective processes in place. Yeah, I, I love I love that you're saying
0: all of that. I, I love that you're saying all of that. And it's like like... Continue to build, right? Continue to think about, um, continue to think about like the processes that are in place and examine that, because if I think about that, our if if we think about our whys in life, right? Let, let's think about that. Let's if we think about our whys to life, why are we doing the things that we do in life to be successful to grow? Oftentimes, right, like you said, oftentimes we may we may hit the outcome. Simply because of luck. That's right. We may hit that simply because of luck. But if we have not evaluated the process so much to say, are, am I sure that this process actually got me to this outcome? Right. The ability for entrepreneurship, right? And if, if we think about this, because I, I, I want not just my entrepreneurs who are out there in the world, we're entrepreneurs for our life. Oftentimes, results come with testing right and and think results come with with testing time and time and time again results come with actually testing and failure
1: listen i don't mean to jump in i was just listening last night to les brown talk you know, mm. in the and one of the things he said that i stuck stuff he said you will fail your way to success yes you will fail your way to success and so like you said it's the testing it's the testing, it's the probing, it's the curiosity, it's the your mind never stopping to ask the question, why I'm a person I drive I drive my wife crazy, I drive people crazy. I'm I will just sit there and ask you why until I get all the way to the core of the thing. All the way to the core. But you have to have that, and that's a part of that process, right? Yes, yes, yes
0: all the way to the core. You will fail your way to success. And many of the great entrepreneurs that we talk about will, t- will tell you will tell you that the first thing didn't work, the 10th thing didn't work, the 100th thing didn't work. And let me even give you an example, right, of this show. We started out six and a half years ago. And if you listen to the first shows, good God, like, <laughs> right? <laughs> Right. Good look, look. Listen, the, the mics were horrible. We didn't have any sound. There was no editing. There was none. And I began looking at other shows. Well, let me let me test it. Let me test like guests. I, I remember look, look I remember having a um a white dude from Australia on the show, one of the first first ten guests. And my producer was like, What what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? What are you doing? And it was a test. It, it literally was a test. It did not go over well with, with our listeners. It just, it just didn't go over well. So it allowed me to say, hey, this, this is not my audience. My, right? This is not my people. Right? And the funny thing about it is, is that we have such a diverse group of people that listen to the show, but they wanted to hear black men right, talk about what does revolution look like in their lives, in their communities, in the world. So we had, we had to test that. We had to test the sound. Right, we got the sound right, we got the music right, we got the colors right. Now we're testing, now, now we're testing even more. Like, we're testing YouTube. Is YouTube right where we can bring more people? Because as we grow, you, you have to continue to grow. And you, like you said, you have to continue to think about this. Let's pull back into this one, one, one more time. Right, you've got great ventures, and I want to talk about this, and I want you to juxtapose it somewhat with your story. We invest our time, capital, and resources into entrepreneurs and women. Why is that so important when from some people that look like us, from people that why is it important that we are the ones that are investing our capital and time and resources into folks that look like us that cling to their why?
1: Well, I think it's important, one, because it's our community and nobody's responsible for the upliftment of our community more so than we are, right? So you have that first and foremost. Secondly, by its nature, venture capital is a place where people tend to invest in areas where they know people, where they have relationships. Mm-hmm. Say that story again, brother and so it was founded <laughs> on the premise, right? It was basically founded on the premise that allow wealthy families to make investments in each other's and their friends and their other extended family's businesses without having to go through all the regulatory scrutiny Mm -hmm. that uh, you have to make when you're investing in publicly traded companies. So it's private investments and it's relationship-based. And so it is therefore incumbent upon us who have chosen this path to really foster that from within our community. So yes. for me, it comes from my journey, which was a, not a straight line. I you talk about that. Listen, I, I, i worked at Bulls bracket investment bank, um, worked at Bulls bracket commercial bank, uh, MBA in finance from the illustrious Ford A&M university. <laughs> <The> <laughs> <Rattler>. <laughs> and, uh, and then in 2006, I began my entrepreneurial journey and bought my first uh, business. And in 2007, it was, man, it was a fantastic year. I jumped out there. I really thought at that point that I must be the smartest guy in the world. I jumped out at the right time. I felt like I caught a rocket and was on my way to the moon. Things were fantastic, made more money than I'd ever made that year working in my corporate jobs and really thought that I was on my way. And then 2008 happened
2: mm. Mm.
1: and I was no longer the smartest guy in the world. In 2008. <laughs> <laughs> and not only was I no longer the smartest guy, the smartest business guy in the world, but I was also newlywed and I was not the smartest husband in the world either at that time. And I really struggled when the recession hit. And by 2010, 2011, I was on the verge of bankruptcy. Wow. I was on the verge of bankruptcy. And one day, Bank of America sent the sheriff to my house. And knocked on the door and told me I had to get out of my house. They'd taken my house back. We couldn't make the payments anymore. And you can imagine how that went over and my marriage declined after that. I ended up losing my marriage. Uh, And I really plunged into just a really severe depression. Yeah. And I really had decided that I was going to pull my last few dollars out of my bank account and go and pay a bankruptcy attorney to file for bankruptcy, wipe the slate clean. And then I was going to go crawl off into a hole somewhere and I was going to commit suicide. (sighs) I I just, you know, I didn't feel that I deserved to be here. I felt like I had failed, that Upside failed my marriage, felt like I had failed the ancestors. I, I felt like the choices that I had made were only resulting in pain. For the people that i cared about the most mm-hmm. and that i would be doing them a favor if i removed myself from from this world and so i had a plan i pulled my money out and drove to the bankruptcy attorney's office was ready to go uh, get get in go out and 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 file the uh give him the the money to file the paperwork and file for the bankruptcy. And when I pulled into the parking lot and parked, and I got ready to get out my truck and go in, I couldn't move, I was paralyzed. Literally, ancestors,
0: ancestors were like, oh,
1: Hold up, slow your roll here, brother. Hold up, young, hold up, young buff, Right? I'm sitting there with my hands at 10 and two, looking out the windshield in the parking lot of the bankruptcy attorney's office, trying to move for an hour just to grab that latch on the door. Because I know if I had got out that truck and gone in that office, that I wouldn't be here today. Wow. Wow. What a story. I could not move. And you're right. There were voices in my head that said, this isn't where you're supposed to be. Go home. Go home. And so after an hour of struggling with that, I actually, I decided to listen and I went home. And I've been listening and trusting those voices ever since. Mm -hmm. Mm. I called a meeting, a company meeting with my employees. I told them, I said, each one of you are now a business of your own just underneath my business. So if you create revenue generating opportunities, I'll share that with you. If you create cost savings, I'll split those cost savings with you. But we're going to get through this together. I'm not going to quit on you and don't you all quit on me. Wow. And I'm pl- proud to say that we came out of a recession stronger than we went into it.
0: Mm, mm. Resilience. I am, I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. Yes. B. Mike. Yes. New Orleanian. Yes, Absolutely. I am. And that's, that's, the, you think about that. You think about the resilience there in 1911. Um, you, you, you think about that, you, you know, what you were taught. And what, what that ability, to, you know, to, as Pastor Osazi Murray says, the ability to sit still. Somebody was forcing you to sit still that day.
1: Yes, that's right. You know, if you think about that, yeah,
0: somebody was somebody was forcing you to sit still that day. That's right. And what happens when we sit still and we allow, we allow the ancestors to speak to us? We allow God to speak to us. We allow whoever we believe in to speak to us in those moments of stillness. And it's it's not easy. It's not easy to sit in moments of stillness in, in the midst of chaos of 2008, of 2019, of 2020, of 2023. It is not easy to sit still. But if we can find a space if we can find a space to allow our minds to rest, allow our bodies to rest, to allow the cortisol levels to relinquish, to diminish, to find breath, what happens? What happens to us?
1: Well, what happens is you find your level, right? And I'm both, yes. not, now we get into our Masonic, ter- our Masonic terminology, right? Um, you find your level. And, when you're fighting and you're struggling and you're racing and you're doing those things, you, you, you can't find your natural level. This is, that's why they tell you if you, if you're in trouble in water, just roll over on your back and quit fighting. Mm.
0: Uh, float. You float. You float. Right? Yes. 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 You
1: float. It's the same principle, bro. It's the same principle. And so, By getting still. Still. Yes. And I would encourage brothers to do this. I would encourage brothers that are out there that are struggling right now, whether it be personally, whether it be professionally, just to find a place to get still. Yes. And you'll be amazed at what you're able to download from the universe in those moments. And so that's what I was able to do. And going from that and coming out of that Investments was always my first love. Yes. And so I wanted to find a way to merge my investment knowledge and experience with the experience that I gained uh, managing and running a business, operating a business through the recession. And so for me, venture capital was a natural segue. And that's what I get to do on a daily basis.
0: Let's define this. And I know we've done this on the show before, but we have some new listeners on the show. Give me a brief definition of venture capital and encapsulate that definition of venture capital into investing into our
1: people. So I, I won't give an extremely technical definition, but more or less what venture capital is, is taking private money and doing deals with typically investing in small, early-stage privately held businesses now a difference between venture capital and more traditional private equity is that we are not taking a controlling stake in these businesses and so we are investing in and heavily dependent upon the founders in which we invest right because in private equity deal I'm gonna buy a controlling stake in your business and I'm gonna probably bring my own team uh, my CFO, my CMO, they're going to come in and they're going to start working for you, for, for the company as well. And we're going to grow the company in that way. But for venture, I might buy a 10 percent stake in the business. That's it. And so the what I'm doing is really investing in the human being, in the person, in the founder. Yeah. Yes. And that's really especially at that especially that early oh, stage yeah.
0: as, as, at that at early stage that you're investing in, in the founder. Um, and their why and hopefully and and the hope that what they're creating is disruptive that's right and can scale
1: that's right and you need to be able to see that as the investor to be able to see that sometimes even beyond what the founder can see yes in terms of what you're able to do now one thing that i do do that is different from a lot of other venture capitalists is that I'm also invested in you and your development as a person, and what nice. I mean by that is when you're talking about a pre-seed business, a seed stage business, very these are very early stage business. They're not quite angel investments, but they so they have a product, they have a service, but they are just kind of in the beginning of that journey, the beginning of that stage. These businesses are heavily founder dependent. So yeah. I say to founders, your business can't outperform you your business can't outperform you. So if you're functioning at a level four or five as a person, your business is going to function at a level two or three. And so how do I help you to become the best possible version of yourself? Yeah. Have right. you overcome your childhood traumas? Cause we all have them, <laughs> right? Have you overcome your imposter syndrome? Have you overcome your survivor's remorse? How do we develop a system, a process through which we challenge these negative thoughts? You had that parent that told you you were going to never amount to anything. And you wonder why every time you're on the cusp of something really great happening for your business, you can't get out of bed for three days. Mm. It's those things that I work with founders on and trying to help to bring out and unlock their own greatness i do not take any credit for bringing greatness to a founder Mm. i'm Mm. strictly an amplifier
0: (laughs) i i love that i love that i love that i'm 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 gonna drop down even further because i want my folks who are non-vc non-venture non non, you know I, i want them to say i'm listening to this i'm listening to this episode and like what what is this for me what 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 is this for me i'm i'm not in this but you know i'm i'm listening here with you and brother davis and how can i as and i say i for the the, the 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 novice investor here become involved in this asset class even though i'm not a venture capitalist how can i how can i create wealth because we haven't really talked about this but this is a vehicle for creating wealth and the reason why you and i spend time resources and capital in investing in these companies yes yes at, at the altruistic nature we want to see these companies scale right if, we, if we're thinking about this at the altruistic we want to invest time resources and capital into these companies to see them scale and grow and they do great things but the non-altruistic version of us says I want to invest $1 and I want $100 back. I know that's exorbitant, right? But that's that's the thing, right? We're thinking about that. I at least want $10 back for every dollar that I give you, right? To make it worth my time, to make it worth my funds time. So there's there's a non-altruistic when it comes to that, and there's a, an altruistic version of us as well. They, and, and, and sometimes there's a tension between that. But I'm listening to you and Brother Davis right now, and I'm trying to figure out how does this apply to me how do I how do I invest my time resources and capital into companies because there's a potential that the Calendly could blow up and be a, a a unicorn and I can make sizable amounts of money or I could lose my shirt. However, I still want to play this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that I think a couple of things. One, there are plenty of groups out there ways for you to get in, people to get involved on the angel investing side. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a little bit more capital intensive to get involved. On the pre, er, on the early stage that precede the seed stage side, uh, you you typically are not going to be writing um, you, you typically are not going to be writing four figure checks <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you start talking about seed stage investments. But you can get you can find at, at one point Cal and Lee was an idea, right? And if you had met that brother at that time, and five thousand dollars might have made all the difference to him and whether it might have, that might have allowed him to pay his rent and feed his family for the next month while he continued to develop the, pro- the product right and so there's angel investing networks that you can involve yourself in and then there's also a, a just local entrepreneurs in your community that you have relationships with so you can do it in a number of ways you can actually invest your own capital in those very very early companies. You could also serve as uh, a venture partner to a firm where you go and you find or source deals and bring founders and you bring it to you bring them to that, that that venture capital firm. And so there's many number of ways that you can get involved. You can just mentor and coach founders.
2: Yes. Yes. That's a
1: that's a, a really it's, it's a skill a, set. It's a skill set. <laughs> and it, it is perceived as less risky right because you're not necessarily putting your own capital in it so no you don't turn a dollar into uh into a hundred dollars um but there's also a need for that the fact that i do it and that i work so so closely and so hands-on with founders is not the normal uh process in terms of how venture capital works oftentimes it is Uh, A a check is written, but there's not a a ton of handholding because they feel like if they had to hold a lot of hand, then they wouldn't have written a check in the first place. Right. Right. right, And so in terms of getting involved, there are numerous ways. But the key is just do it. Like Nike said, just do it. Get involved. Just find,
0: just just find a way to get involved. One of the things that one, one of the things that we can uplift here, and I think is really really crucial, is that particularly for us, um, and I, I you know, I, I, and I'm speaking for everyone, I'm, everyone that listens to the show. One of the key rounds, and particularly for young founders. And when I say young founders, they don't have to be young founders by age, but young founders in their ventures. Is that, is that first round of funding, right? And, and, and that, that first round of funding can be the friends and family round where you don't have to, you don't actually have to go through the, the vetting of the angel the angel network or different. F- you, you and your friends and your family can invest into a venture, you know, into a venture and, and take a small amount of equity around that friends and family round. And oftentimes, and the thing about this is that we struggle with that friends and family round, that initial, I've got this great idea, like you said, that five, 10, 15, 25,000, $150,000 of friends and family round that can allow me to elevate this venture. And I think about this, right? You, you, you think about, you know, the wrong side of 1911 and the right side of 1911, right? You know. <laughs> Right. But I, but I, but the 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 opportunities for us. Right. Let's 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 pull that for a second. The opportunities for our beloved fraternities to think about what it means for us as institutions to invest, even at a friends and family round. If we had pools of capital and pools of omegas coming together and say that we want to invest and we might not meet the criteria of, you know, the angel, but we can still have that early angel early. But that early friends and fr- family round investment, there's an opportunity to get in really, really early. Now, there's risk. I want to say this, right? And I, I want it because this is not a financial show. I want to say this very, very clearly. There is a risk in investing in this asset class. There's a huge risk. That's why once you move past a certain level of investment, you you need to have the knowledge and the capital to be able to do this, right? There are certain regulatory SEC regulatory things that have to happen for you to actually be labeled an angel for you to be able to invest right sometimes we also think that there may be these are barriers you know for some folks uh, that have been put in place but there are opportunities for us and I say this because I think that everybody should be thinking about how they could invest in small businesses to create an asset class that they may not have invested in to actually create more wealth is it more risky
1: yes go ahead well they, you know they're not giving out one to you know 100x returns with no risk. Right. And so, the, as you said, the asset class is inherently risky and you are expected to be inherently sophisticated. And what you're talking about is being a what's called an accredited investor. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, your listeners, I won't go into details about that right now, but you guys, you are required if you're going to invest in a venture capital in a venture capital firm, you're required to be an accredited investor. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's that's a certain level of income and uh, and net worth. And in order to do that, that 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 implies that there's a certain level of sophistication and that you understand yeah. implies, the risk implies that. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, that, that and that you understand the risk that you're taking. Right. And so that is an important aspect of this. But I think you're right. I think you're right, brother, in terms of there. It has been used also as a way to keep people out and to keep people from participating in the uh, in the growth of the asset class
0: yeah it is very interesting and I know at the recording of this show that the SEC that the SEC is considering shifting some of the regulations around this some of them are wishing that the um, some of them are wishing that the the, the barriers to entry are, much more stringent than they are right now, um, and then some people are pushing because we we want to see more equity. We want to see more opportunities to in, invest in this. And actually, uh, um, I met a woman I won't say her name because I know, um, sh- uh, but she's building a venture that seemingly is allowing folks that may not be or may not have the ability to be
1: accredited,
0: but to to join accreditation you know, to invest on top of accredited investors.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know? there's certain ways that you can file and legal things and we, we won't get into that, dive into all of that. There's where maybe you can take funding and you can accept capital from uh, mm-hmm. non-accredited investors. Um, there's a legal risk to that uh, mm-hmm. for doing that. But if you're interested in that, then I, I invite people to go and to research that and look that up. That's the, yes. That's the first yes. thing. If you're really interested in it, then do the work. Read about it, right? Understand it. Learn. Have a, at least a basic understanding before you start to have a conversation with somebody. Yeah,
0: I, I would I would definitely agree um, because you see the excitement that you and I get when we start talking about this. And the reason why I wanted to push that is that I want more of our folks, right? There are folks out there that don't understand the asset. When I say don't understand the asset class, just don't know that it exists, you know, that have the ability to... to to become accredited and have that ability to invest in companies to create well, I see this all, we're immersed in it and the the excitement of it. We understand the risk of it, but what I'm watching and what, you know, what you and I both have watched with you, particularly, you know, you being the managing partner at the Paragon group is that we see opportunities out there that our folks may not have been able to see. And we see the potential for creating wealth. You think about this, you think about the folks that got into Calendly early, right? And that's, right, that got got into Calendly or that invest, we're at that, you know, at the early stage or at at the seed stage or, you know, at the pre-seed or seed stage or series A. Folks, if if you're wondering what this terminology is, just Google stages of funding for venture capital, right, that we're talking about. But thinking about that, because those people were able to create sizable wealth by investing early into Calendly. Into Airbnb, into Twitter, into Facebook, into Snap, all those those different things. Now, understandably, two in 10, if we're thinking about a fund, two in 10 usually carry the entire fund. So there are eight ventures out there, if you're investing in 10, that may not make that. So understand that. And so understand the risk, the risk. Hopefully, you know, we move, some folks have been able to move to five in 10, six in 10. And, you know, they're really, really good and really, really savvy in their investments. But I really want to push my people to really think about how they can get involved in this asset class to actually create wealth. And that's what I want you really, really to think about. And I want to move the conversation because it, it it's always fun. It's always and it always flies by. But there was something that came up in our last conversation that I wanted to really bring up because entrepreneurship happens at every stage of our life, regardless of you know whether we're creating a venture or creating a relationship or creating a marriage or creating parenthood or whatever. Right? You think about that—that that you're building something, that you're scaling something in a part of our lives. And oftentimes we're scaling something with a partner. And if if, if, if and I, I want to couch this in the, in the manner that partnership is so key to our lives, I do not see when people say that I bootstrapped something or I built this from scratch or I built this—you didn't build it alone. No one builds anything. No great company that we've seen in the world has been built alone. It started out with an idea and somebody else was brought in and somebody else was brought in. And all of a sudden you got a team and that team grows. and All of a sudden you got thousands of people, right? Or you got 20 people, you got five people, but you did not scale that alone. But one of the things that you said, you know, that, that really, really stuck with me is that, and I say this to the people that I work with, is that there has to be a decision maker, there has to be a decision-maker. And the interesting thing, I want you to tell the story about, right, the venture that, the venture that's inside of your marriage, right? Yeah, the venture. And how you and your wife decide who is going to be the decision-maker, because I think that is going to be key, not only for entrepreneurs, but folks out there as they enter in different relationships saying, you know what, I need a partner, but I need to know who's going to drive the ship in this context.
1: In this context, right? And so this is not... You know, just certainly, I will start this off by saying this is not, oh, well, I'm the man and I'm the head of the house and this is what, and it's going to be what I say, right? This, this is a lesson that I learned in the failure of my first marriage. I was, I am blessed to have been given another opportunity to get it right. And I think that I have, in fact, I know that I have the best possible partner for me, right? And mm-hmm. so, but one of the early conversations that we had, my first wife and I were both entrepreneurs and she had her business. I had my business. And what you will find is that just in naming something in that way, it shifts your point of view and shifts how you think about it. And so when things were challenging, when things would get difficult, you would end up finding yourself in positions where you were making a choice for, my business or for her business and Mm -hmm. it was never really thought of as our businesses and so reflexively you start to make choices to protect your business right and i think that that was a factor i'm not going to blame the whole thing on it but certainly was a factor in the failure of my first marriage When I started to date my wife, the woman is my wife now, the first conversations I told her is that if you're going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to be an entrepreneur because she's an entrepreneur as well, she's a a marketing savant genius. And I said, we can't have your business and my business. We also can't, it can't be 50-50. Because somebody has to have the final say. You can't, because if you have a 50-50 situation, if you all can't agree, then you just stagnate and the business will die from stagnation, right? And so we need to, in the moments of when we are cool and calm, when we are conceiving of the ideas of these businesses and these opportunities, we need to assign someone to be the 51%. And the other will be the forty nine percent. And so you will have discussion about what we want to do with the business. And then at the end of the day, the person who is the fifty one percent will make the decision. And the job Mm. of the person who is the forty nine percent is regardless of what the, the decision that's made is in line with what they think should be done or not. Your job as the 49% is to get behind the 51% and do everything in your power to make make it successful because it is our business and you got 49% invested in the failure and success of that business. It's not just her business and when her business goes, fails or goes under, they don't have anything to do with you. No, it's got to do with you too. Just like... The yeah. same as with your business, it has to do with her. It completely changed my approach to everything. And so, you, I like the phrase that you use was the venture within the marriage. Yeah.
0: The venture within the marriage. Um, I got to ask this question because it's, it's, to me, it's revolutionary in nature. Mm-hmm. How do you negotiate this? Because you got to You got to. You know, you know, <laughs> I, what I'm thinking, what, what what I'm thinking is that mm-hmm. every time you negotiate something, you have to release your ego.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you got to do that anyway. It's no room for ego in business. It's, yeah. It's yeah. no room for you. You got to kill your ego in business. I, I, one of the things I say to people is, is when you start talking about looking at people to work with or people who you can hire, people, look for people who give credit and take play. Yes. Yes. Right. People that take credit and give blame, stay away from them. Stay away from 100% responsibility, right, but, is at the core of
0: the most emotionally intelligent person, 100% responsibility. Absolutely. Every outcome, I had I had 100% responsibility in the outcome. And if at some point in time we all have the ability to take 100% responsibility, we move forward. That's right instead of backwards, everybody has a hundred percent responsibility in this outcome.
1: That's right. That's right. And I really want to, uh, cause I know we are getting around on, on time, but I want to, I want to talk ahead. about four the four pillars for me and yeah, yeah, in, in terms of in terms of one, my business runs on these four pillars. And I really look for these when I'm looking at who I would want to do business with it, who I would possibly want to invest in. Those four pillars are radical empathy, mentorship, global consideration and open communication. Mm. If you can find those four things and develop those four things within yourself, then you are, you've taken a huge step towards the success of whatever it is that you, whether it be a marriage or whether it be a venture. And so when I talk about radical empathy, what I'm talking about is we we, we understand a little bit about empathy, but I do think in general, empathy is extraordinarily misunderstood. It's often confused with sympathy, right? And sympathy is, well, I'm sorry that happened to you, right? Empathy is, I know how that feels. And so radical empathy takes it even a step further and it really immerses yourself in the emotions, that the person that you're talking with is feeling and allows you to remove your own preconceived notions about what you would do in a situation and to really put yourself in the other person's place.
2: Mm.
1: If you can establish that, you can connect with people on a level that is beyond what the average person is able to do. And when you can connect with people on that level, now you're talking when you're talking about addressing pain points, right? Now you're talking when you're talking about building a culture inside your business. So that leads to the mentorship part, right? Because if you can become radically empathetic, then it opens you up to be a better mentor to people.
0: Yes. Radically. T- talk about that for a second. So radically. Radically. Radically.
1: So yes. just, with, just at that moment when you're like exhausted and you feel like, man, I'm really leaning into this empathy thing. Lean them over. Hmm. That's what I mean when I say radical.
0: What does that look like? What is it? My revolutionary is like, what does that look like?
1: Well, I-, I think that what it looks like is understanding the choices, the sacrifice. We talked about this a little bit earlier the sacrifice that goes into taking something that was in your head and trying to pull it out. Understanding the choices, the weight of the choices that you make and the impact that that has on your family, on your wife, yeah. or the children, right? on your children, right? On your mother, those choices. Understanding that when you're having a conversation with a founder about investment, that money is actually the last thing that you should be talking about with them. Because first and foremost, they have to believe that you care about them. Yes. Yes. Right. And it's really not even that they have to believe it. You actually have to do it. So it's not a game. It's not, well, let me make them believe. Right. No, you actually have to do it. Right. Yeah. And when you can do that successfully, you can then be effective as a mentor and the knowledge that pours through you can then actually have an, a greater impact, greater absorption rate. Right now. It also helps for you to be a mentee carrying radical empathy for the people that came before you and the people who are taking the time and investing their time, talent, and resources in your success. We're not entitled to anything here, right? So when you can be radically empathetic, it goes both ways, not just in terms of mentoring the people that are coming up behind you, but also being able to receive guidance and mentorship. Yes. Right? Yes. This leads right to the third principle. Let's go go to the third. Mm. We talk about global communication. I mean, we talk about global consideration, right? For the third, third, 90% of society, Makes a decision considering only how it impacts themselves and their immediate family, their wives, their children, their parents, sisters, siblings. 90% of society doesn't think beyond that in terms of the ramifications of the choices that they make. It's a huge factor in why we sit on the precipice that we sit as a society. Mm. If you can develop radical empathy, right? then you can expand your point of view and now you can begin to think of things and think of the choices that you make on a global level at a global scale. Right. And what investor doesn't want a founder that, that thinks about things on a global scale. So this will help you as you continue to develop the salve for those pain points that you that you thought about when you first started your business. This will also help you in your own personal life and your personal development. And you think about the choices that you're making. You're solving for you solving for global problems, right? And so that leads to the final, the bookend, right? Of the four principles, which is open communication. bro, we, yeah. we, we, we talk about communication. It's everything. It's the key to It's the key that unlocks. (laughs) It unlocks everything.
0: Say the thing when you need to say the thing.
1: Say the thing and say it with empathy. Say it with empathy and you'll be amazed at how you're able to help people to grow. Because you ask people all the time when you get here, are you trying to be right? Are you trying to inspire change?
2: Mm. You
1: should always <laughs> in a debate. You should always be trying to inspire change, not just trying to be right and make a point. Yeah. So if you can, in, if you can incorporate those four principles in your life, in your business, in your marriage, in your friendships, you'll be amazed at how the universe bends over backwards to make things happen
0: for mm. you. It, it It is always interesting when we can get a master class, you know in four strategies that can that revolutionize how we can actually show up in the world for ourselves, for our families, for our partners, for our ventures, for our teams, for the customers that we work with. Think about that radical empathy You, you know the one thing that I love about great entrepreneurs is they have the uncanny ability to listen intently to their customers. Because if you don't understand your customers, if you don't understand your partner, if you don't understand your family, then you cannot serve. If you don't listen, right, and come with a level of empathy, of understanding that this is this person's lived experience, and by understanding this person's lived experience, I can show up better. I can create a better product. I can be a better partner. I can be a better leader. I can be a better community. But that's what we're lacking in this world right now. And that's why those people who are building revolutionary products and very large companies are the ones that have taken time to listen intently to what people need. I didn't say what they want.
1: It's what they need. So what you say is so poignant, bro, because – I'm intentional in saying open communication. I didn't say open speaking, right? I'm intentional. It's open communication. 90% of communication is nonverbal. Listening, active listening is a form of communication. And I would argue it is the most important form of communication. Mm. As the old folks say, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason.
0: <laughs> it's the revolution listening, listening with intent. So dear brother, this time this time goes by. Yeah. So fast. So 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 fast. <laughs> and I would be remissed in my revolutionaries and my producers and all the people are in my ears saying you have not asked him his question. Mm. So brother Davis, CEO of the Paragon Group.
1: What's your revolution? My revolution is closing the wealth gap. And I like to take on impossible problems. I like to attack impossible problems. It gives me something, there's always something for me to get up and do. Because you could give me a trillion dollars today and I could get it deployed to the best, the best minority and female founders out there. And there still would be someone who is extraordinarily qualified and capable that would not get funded. So I cannot in my lifetime close the wealth gap, but my revolution is fighting that battle. And if I can at my time, when my time here is up, I'm very blessed and fortunate. Y'all have heard my story that my time could have been up years ago and I'm blessed to have been, Granted with the time that I do have and if when that time is up I can say that that gap has been Closed and I've made a dent in it and not only that but I have empowered People coming up behind me with the tools and the knowledge and the financing To be able to continue to fight that battle to fight that revolution Then I will consider Uh, my life to have been well-lived.
0: I'm not mad at that, brother. That is a wonderful revolution. Revolutionaries, you have... have, hmm, When you go back and listen to this, you are... You're going to be like, what? (laughs) 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 What? Yeah, that's what we did. We did this. And when you, you think about, as I started this show, about community and the power of community and what community can do. Community can invest, invest in our people. And you don't have to look like me to invest in my people. I wanna say that because I know all the folks, all the various folks that listen to this show. When we invest in each other, when you invest in our communities, right? You think about this, what can we build together? That's right. The most successful companies in our world, not our country, are the ones that are the most, most diverse. Right, the research is out there that says to you when you have diversity in thought and diversity of people and diversity of cultures and diversity of religion, of of sexual orientation, all the different things companies thrive.
1: Oh, let me give you that number, bro 63 percent, 63 percent diverse teams teams that had at least either a woman or and or. And or an ethnically diverse leader on the team outperformed homogenous teams by 63%.
0: That's that's wild. 63%. So you want to? If we're just thinking about the business sense, the business case of this, why wouldn't you want to invest your time, talent, and treasure into different folks? That's right. It makes sense. It makes sense. Revolutionaries, you know that I'm always here with you, that we want you to be able to fulfill your revolution, to answer what we think is the most thought-provoking question of your life, and then to be able to go out and say, I can do this, and I've got the resources and the tools to be wealthy both mentally, spiritually, physically, and emotionally, and that's what we do here at the show. We give you the tools, tips, and strategies to go out and be the most revolutionary version of yourself. I wish you well in your endeavors as we move, as we move through summer, right? Hopefully you're a winning summer like I am. And hopefully you're spending time with your people. Know that I love you, I love you, and I love you. And I'm wishing you well. Talk to you soon, everyone. Peace.
1: Actually have to do it so it's not a game it's not well let me make them believe right no you actually have to do it right and when you can do that successfully you can then be effective as a mentor and the knowledge that pours through you can then actually have an, a greater impact greater absorption rate right now it also helps for you to be a mentee
0: That's what happens, right? It revolutionizes how we have the ability to go on about our day to make our lives easier. 100% responsibility, right, is at the core of the most emotionally intelligent person, 100% responsibility. Every outcome, I had had 100% responsibility in the outcome. And if at some point in time, we all have the ability to take 100% responsibility, we move forward.
1: And you're right, The voices in my head, there voices in my head that said, this isn't where you're supposed to be. Go home, go home. And so after an hour of struggling with that, I actually, I decided to listen and I went home. And I've been listening and trusting those voices ever since. I called a meeting, a company meeting with my employees. I told them, I said, each one of you are now a business. Of your just underneath my business.